is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh, the iHeartRadio app. I'm back, baby. Madden show was fun. People actually called. People actually heard it. But hopefully not too many of you because I'm recycling a lot of content. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. The Pens picked up three of a possible four points this weekend. They continue to stay right where they were in the standings. Number two in the Metropolitan Division. Philadelphia is coming up their backside. That is poor phrasing. Washington, well, they're seeing the Penguins come up theirs. Apologize for the visual. The Penguins finally have some leverage when it comes to their third-line center position now. This came from Jesse Marshall. We have him on the show pretty much every week throughout Penguin season. He from The Athletic. Riley Shan has 1.8 points per 60. 55.9 shot attempts against per 60. 26.2 scoring chances against per 60. And 49.67% possession. We don't do a lot of numbers on this show. But the reason I bring those numbers up is to tell you that they're all better than what Nick Bonino put up last year. 1.44 points per 60. 60.25 shot attempts against the 60. 27.8 scoring chances against per 60 and 46.3% possession. So in every single one of those numbers, Riley Shane better than Nick Bonino. Now this has led a lot of people to say, Penguins don't need a third-line center. Penguins should go out and get a fourth-line center. I'm not going to say that. I would still like the Penguins to get a third-line center. Move Riley Shane to fourth-line center where he would still be good And then the Penguins are even deeper. The Penguins actually have some leverage now, I believe. When the Penguins were searching for a third-line center in the offseason and all the way through the season, other teams knew that the Penguins didn't have somebody who could play third-line center. The Penguins had zero leverage. Now, if the Penguins want to make a deal, they can. And if they don't, I think they'll feel comfortable in not making said deal. So the Penguins are actually in a position of strength now when, for the last nine months, or seemingly, they haven't been. That's badass. And I bet you they wind up with another center before the trade deadline at the end of February. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I need Phil Kessel to win the Art Ross Trophy. I need it, baby. Put it in my veins. Because Phil Kessel is the inspiration for the everyman. Phil Kessel is me. Phil Kessel is you. Phil Kessel is us. Phil Kessel isn't fat. He's pleasantly plump. He's big boned. He's skinny fat. He's lumpy, husky, chubby. Your average, everyday American man. That's a fact, because he is the average, everyday American. I wish that, like the President of the United States, 
They had to release all the information on every player's physical. I want to know exactly what Phil Kessel looks like naked. Let's say that out loud. Phil Kessel probably goes to the drive-thru at McDonald's and supersizes. He probably gets the Biggie Fries at Wendy's, extra Chick-fil-A sauce with his chicken. He's not a public speaker. He's awkward as all get-out in an interview. He's quietly funny. He's delightfully weird. He's also got the hair of a newborn baby. Patchy. Weird-looking. Looks like it's still growing in, even though we all know it's actually falling out. Sidney Crosby's giving me great memories. I want the Penguins to win. I'm wearing a Penguin sweatshirt right now. Penguins have held my key to happiness for the last two summers. The fact they played for so long made my show easy. And also, it made my nights fun. Because if you drink 17 beers during a hockey game, you're not an alcoholic. If you do so on a regular evening, well, your wife probably leaves you. But Sidney Crosby was the Conn Smythe winner the last two years. So he's made me happy. Biggest reason the Penguins won the Cup the last couple of seasons. If Kenny Malkin won the Conn Smythe in 2009, that dude made college Crowley happy. Crosby's made domesticated Crowley a happy man by winning the last two years. I love those dudes. They's my peeps. But Crosby's got a supermodel girlfriend. He's got six-pack abs. He drinks water at the championship parade because all he cares about is hockey. Malkin's funny, charismatic. He's a Russian superstar. So as much as I love those guys, as much as I love Crosby, as much as I love Malkin, I can't relate to him. Can't relate to Chris Letang. Phil Kessel, though, I can relate to that guy. He got run out of town in Boston. Now, if I were him, I'd take that as a badge of honor. Bunch of wankers. He was chased out of town in Toronto because he didn't, quote-unquote, play hard enough. His former coach said all he does is score goals. Right, like... That's a big problem, douchebag. Phil's misunderstood. He's a weirdo. Was looked at as an out-of-shape loser. Does that sound familiar to you? Does for me. He's you. He's me. He's the everyman. Now, I know in high school, I was always the weird, goofy dude. Phil Kessel's that guy right now. Phil Kessel's an outcast who has finally found his place. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. And I'm pulling for his chubby ass to be the next Art Ross Trophy winner in the National Hockey League. Who's with me? 412-333-9939 is the number on Mark Madden's show. I knew I was going to do that. One time I do the show, and all of a sudden I start repeating Madden's numbers. And of course, on Friday, I did my stupid numbers. 412-922-2874, the number to call, of course. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. That never changes. Maybe we just do that. At underscore Adam Crowley. Now here's the way that I look at the scoring race right now as it relates to the Penguins. Crosby's the Penguins' best player. Kessel's the Penguins' most consistent player. Malkin is playing the best right now. So I think Malkin is the most likely Penguin to bring home the award. He's playing like the Gino who won the scoring title the first time. When the lines settle with Haglund, and Hornquist on his flanks, he's going to continue to shoot the puck. His numbers are going to be outstanding. But I'm rooting for Phil. I don't care who you think's going to win. That's not interesting to me. I don't want to debate which Penguin has the best chance. But I want to know why anybody would root for Crosby or Malkin over Phil Kessel's chubby ass.
Because he's one of us. I know it's Olympic time and all, but don't root for the Canadian. Don't root for the Russian. Merka, baby. 412-922-2874. Since the Penguins are nearing the trade deadline, you know something's going to go down. And you know it's going to go down before the deadline itself. Because very rarely, seldomly, in fact, does Jim Rutherford say, I'm going to wait until the deadline and try to get something done then. No, he likes to do it before that. There are a couple of guys that I don't think the Penguins should think about trading. Not even if the right offer comes in. I ain't trading Tristan Jart. And I don't think you can get anything for Casey DeSmith. Marc-Andre Fleury gave the Penguins 55 games and 35 wins a year for a decade plus. Matt Murray, despite his success in the playoffs, has given that to the Penguins exactly zero times. Two years ago, the Penguins entered the playoffs against the Rangers and started the series with Jeff freaking Zatkoff in goal. They needed Zatkoff, Murray, and Flurry to hoist a cup. Last year, the Penguins needed two goaltenders to hoist the Stanley Cup. I'm all about winning now. F the future. You've only got so much time with Sid. You've only got so much time with Gino. Some are arguing you don't need Jari because he's more of a piece for the future. Many will say DeSmith has played well, so flip Jari and make DeSmith the backup. I disagree. I think it's ridiculous to consider trading Tristan Jari. Because you always keep the pedigree dude around. He, like Murray, has pedigree. DeSmith, for as good as he's proven that he can be at times here at the National Hockey League level, doesn't at all have the pedigree. He's had success in the minors. He looks like a fine player. But he could just be a flash in the pan. I'll bet every day on pedigree. I also say that you need Jari for now, not just the future, because he can step in and win games if Murray does go down. Something that Murray has done far too often. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's 412-922-2874. Brian Metzer coming up in 10 minutes here on the Crowley Show to talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins and the deadline, because I got a package for you. A trade package. I'll run it by Mets as well. The Steelers cleared up about $13.1 million in cap space by restructuring some things this weekend. They also signed Roosevelt Nix to a contract extension. Good for Nix. Hopefully this means that Randy Feekner, the Steelers' new offensive coordinator, is actually going to utilize the fullback more so than Todd Haley did. How about on fourth and one against Jacksonville? How about that? But I'm more interested in talking about the 13.1 mil. A lot of Steelers fans and Steelers media alike are saying, use that money for defense. Spend that money on defense. Here's the deal. Steelers are trying to get something done with Le'Veon Bell. When Art Rooney II alludes to that in multiple different interviews and in the media scrum, that means that's what the Steelers are trying to do. He's not going to lie. He's got no incentive to lie. Kevin Colbert will talk in a couple of weeks prior to the NFL Combine. I'm guessing he'll say the same thing if something has not been done with Le'Veon by then. But that is their hope, to get something done with the Steelers running back. That is why they're clearing up that money. And that's the right move. 
Ben Roethlisberger's only got two or three more years left. Art Rooney II says he wants to play beyond his current contract. I'm sure he does, but you never know what your body's going to turn into. You just don't. When I was younger, I could eat 100 Oreos in a weekend, and I'd be fine. Now if I do, I poop black. It's weird, but it happens. Your body, it shuts down. So you need to do good by Ben Roethlisberger. And you need to give him his best playmaker not named Antonio Brown. Ben's a lot better when Le'Veon Bell is toting that rock. Steelers were 3-2 and two this year. Ben Roethlisberger had thrown six touchdowns and seven interceptions. When Le'Veon Bell started touching the rock more, the rest of the way, Ben Roethlisberger, 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So over 10 games, seven interceptions. Prior to that, five games, seven interceptions. That's because of Le'Veon Bell. So if you're a Steelers fan and you're working yourself up, thinking the Steelers are clearing cap space in order to do something with defense, if you're a Steelers fan and you think they're going to start adding pieces on that side of the ball, I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I am smitten with the Olympics. I don't even know what the hell's going on 95% of the time, and I'm watching that shiz. It is on in the background no matter what I do. I'm in the shower. I've got it jacked up downstairs all the way to 100% volume. It's because I'm an American, damn it! And I love my country! I love my country so much that I would not go overseas to fight in a war. I would not offer up more taxes. Hell, I only vote in the big-time elections. But I will watch every second of the Olympics that I can. That is patriotism to me, baby. I gotta go out and get a don't tread on me hat. Not because of my political stance, but because no one's treading on the USA, baby. We lose better than you. We curl better than you. We ice dance better than you. I have a buddy who I went to college with who does not consider figure skating a sport because there are judges. He also doesn't think gymnastics is a sport because there are judges. Hey, jackass! You see what they do out there? That's athleticism. That's a sport. I don't care if they have a judge determining the final score. Still a damn sport. And how is it different than a committee in NCAA football telling you who the best four teams are? How is it different than the NCAA basketball tournament where they tell you who the best 64 teams are? It's not different. Appreciate the athleticism. We always appreciate Brian Metzer. He'll join us next from the Penguins Radio Network. It's trade deadline! Well, at least it feels like it. Couple of weeks from today, Penguins will have a new center. Right? Right? We ask Metzer next, Crowley Show. Get up and join 970 Saturday mornings at 9 for Penn's Week. Oh, Michael, Michael Motorcycle. It's an inside look at the Pittsburgh Penguins that takes you behind the scenes and gives you the inside story on the Penguins. Listen, we got a good hockey team here, and, you know, we, we have people that we know we can win with. It's Penn's Week Saturday mornings at 9. Oh, I just want to see it fail Exclusively on your home of the Penguins, ESPN Pittsburgh at 9.70 a.m. and now at 106.3 FM. 
if you gave me and Tom four years, we could curl. I mean, how hard could it be? Terribly difficult, yes. Is this what we all do? We being Americans, we watch the Olympics and we think, okay, give me some time, I can get good at that. You know what looks like a bitch? Shoe events. The freestyle skiing, not freestyle, the, what do you call it? Cross-country skiing and the moguls. They both look like they kick your behind. Like the moguls, it looks like they're going to blow their knee out every time. And the cross-country skiing... Your glutes be burning, baby. Brian Metzger's glutes are always burning. Terrible transition. From the Penguins Radio Network, he joins me now on the Crowley Show. Metz, do you think you could curl if we give you four years? I think curling should be part of the Bar Olympics because it's so similar to shuffleboard in my mind that if you were a good shuffleboard player, you should be able to take to that game pretty quickly, I would think. I know the stones that they use in curling are a lot heavier than the puck you use in a shuffleboard game, but at the same time... Boy, I used to throw a mean shuffleboard game, so I think I could give it a go eventually with a little bit of practice. Damn right. Tom was shaking his head in the other room. He didn't think he could do it. But you and me, Mets, four years. Were they doing it in four years? Beijing? We're going to kick some ass. Mets, the Penguins have won now, uh, have been playing good hockey, pardon me, uh, for the better part of 2018, and they took three out of four points this weekend. We've gone back and forth about why they've been able to do that. It really begins and ends with the Stars. Is that enough? If just the Stars produce the way that they've been producing for the Penguins to have a chance to win their third straight Stanley Cup? Well, I I think if you get the uh, timely scoring from guys like Brian Rust and a few others that have chipped in with those Stars, you'd be in pretty good shape to to make that a reality. Now, that said, the Stars will have to continue to produce if you're going to play it that way. Without a solid uh, base of secondary scoring, you've got to rely or you've got to rely on Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel. Now, they've made it a reality since probably going all the way back into December that those guys have been finding ways to generate points, specifically uh, Gino and Phil Kessel. And now Sidney Crosby's definitely been on board over the last, you know, 15, 20 games here, too. So, that that's a great formula, but I still think they could use maybe one extra piece to add to that secondary scoring to just help it all along. I also like that manufactured balance. I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago, the way that Mike Sullivan's been able to separate some of those players onto different lines. That's given him a pretty nice look, and Riley Shea and chipping in has definitely helped the cause as well. Brian, the Penguins do need depth, as you alluded to. Do you think that they go... For a third-line center or a fourth-line center, given the way that Riley Shea has played over the last handful of games? Yeah, I think you could definitely make a case at maybe just trying to acquire a guy to be that fourth-line option now. Because I don't know, and you may or may not agree with me here, I don't know that since Carter Rowney has come back into the lineup that he's looked even what he was last year or earlier this season. He's not quite been himself, and I don't know that that's a great dynamic on your fourth line so if Jim Rutherford can pay a little less to go out and get himself a a fourth line option be that uh, I don't know we keep hearing now names like Mark Letestu and Thomas Placanitz out of Montreal and Placanitz is probably even a little bit more of a third line option but if you can get somebody like that on the cheap that doesn't cost you what a Derek Broussard or one of these other big sexy names that's been thrown around would cost I could see him doing that and I think they would be pretty well served to make that a reality now that said 
how great would they look if they go out and find themselves a another third-line option, and then you can push Riley Shane into a fourth-line role and have some version of that third line that they're playing with right now be the fourth line. Boy, that makes you lick your chops, does it not? Yeah, it absolutely does, and that's the ideal option for me. But you know what I've been thinking about, and I brought this up on Madden's show on Friday when I filled in. I love the way Grabner plays. And he is as fast as it gets in the National Hockey League. I know seven of his goals have come via the empty net, which is just insane to me. But he's cheap. He's a rental player. So he his contract would come off the books at the end of the year, and the Penguins could still have money to go out and re-sign a guy like Patrick Hornquist if they don't get that done over the course of the season. You could bring him in on the cheap, I think. And you could... Add a guy like Matt Cullen or Mark Letestu to that fourth line, and that way you've created depth. You help Riley Shane as your third-line center, and you do have a better fourth-line center. You know, woe is me for not mentioning Matt Cullen. I feel bad when I was throwing out those names, and thanks for bringing it up because uh, I think that's going to be an option they're going to consider. But I really like your idea with Michael Grabner. I've long been a, a fan of his game since he came into the league. As a matter of fact, and I know you know that uh, I, I do some fantasy hockey playing, and I know that's absurd to bring up on a, a talk radio show. It is I absolutely drafted, not. I drafted Michael Grabner in my dynasty league as a rookie coming in from in his draft year, and I've, I've long loved his game as fast as, as can be. He has great offensive instincts, and you know what? You, you mentioned the empty net goals that he scored. To me, I look at how many empty nets the Penguins leave empty. They, they don't find ways to score into. And if you have a speedy guy like Michael Grabner, maybe they would ice games a little bit better. Empty net goals are important to finish off opponents, not in the playoffs per se, but down the stretch when you're trying to earn points and keep teams from coming back. Can you imagine a Penguins team with Michael Grabner, Carl Haglin, and Brian Russ? You could deploy all three guys either in an overtime scenario, I don't know who would take the face off, or you could put all three guys out there to kill a penalty getting shorthanded opportunities, I think that would make the Penguins very dangerous to have that kind of speed dynamic added into what they already have. And having him on a third or fourth line uh, a role on this team would really give them a, a special look in those bottom six players. And I've always liked him, as I just said. I think that's an interesting get. The only problem is, based on his great contract situation, the Rangers are trying to get a first-round draft pick for him. Now, I know if you win the Stanley Cup, that's going to be a number 30 31 so who really cares but at the, at the same time you hate to give up a first round pick for michael grabner but i sound like a fool because they gave up a first round pick for ryan reeves and if i was going to do it i'd rather do it for michael grabner oh there's no doubt about that in my mind and i realize it's probably a pipe dream and the rangers are in the penguins division whether or not that would preclude them from doing something like that i'm not sure but man it makes me salivate with Haglin and kessel and rust and Ben Grabner, the way that all those guys could skate, it'd be like the Penguins from a couple of years ago with all the speed they'd be able to have. Brian Metzger joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Metz, anybody that's untouchable for you uh, when it comes to the Penguins uh, moving out of contract? I think right now, I mean, yeah, I think right now you have to look at the big guys as, as guys that won't be moved or that shouldn't be moved and would be untouchables. But above and beyond, Sid, Gino, Phil Kessel, and Maybe Matt Murray. I don't really, and probably Chris Letang is in that mix. I know his name's come up in rumors and speculation, but they're not going to trade Chris Letang. Those guys are probably the core at this moment, and anybody else in the right deal probably could be had. Now, I, I feel like I wouldn't want to move Brian Russ 
just because he seems to be so valuable. No matter where you play him, he's able to make something happen, be that in a top-line situation, be that in a bottom six. He was great on the fourth line. He's great next to Sidney Crosby. So maybe he's in that conversation. But right there, after that group, I'd move anybody else to get a deal done right now if it means winning another Stanley Cup, and that's what this team seems to have in its mind. They want to go for the three-peat. They want to uh, go go cup or bust. And, and when you're doing that and you're playing that way, you don't worry too much about next year or the year after. You start moving assets to get that done. And I think that means maybe a goaltender from the uh, the depth chart is in play. Maybe Gensel's in play. Maybe Sherry's in, pl- in play. I don't know that. That's not anything I've heard. I just feel like Jim Rutherford would do it if it meant making a strong and solid push at cup number three this season. Jake Gensel has... Not been playing great. He was moved down to the fourth line. Dominic Simone back on up to the top line. It seems as though Connor Sherry, well, he's back now from injury, and he's been playing okay. How do you view those two uh, moving forward? Not in terms of a trade, but just the way that they've been playing. Because Jake Gentle's a really good player, but he seems to have hit a little bit of a rut, would you say? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at those guys uh, coming into the season, I think we all agreed that of the two, Connor Sherry would be the expendable one, that he would be the guy that you could throw into your bottom six or maybe even use as a trade component. But right now, uh, he, he just seems to have that, that flexibility that the Penguins love. They, they would love players that you can play in skill positions and also just as easily slide into a role-playing uh, spot in a third- or fourth-line role. And Sherry seems to be able to do that a little bit better right now. And maybe that's just experience. Maybe that's been uh, being around the NHL a little bit longer than Jake Gensel. But Gensel, the way he wilded us all last year and through the playoffs and even during the preseason, I was expecting 30 goals from him this year. And maybe that was yep. a bit uh, mind-blowing or you know out of, uh, out of the question based on him being just a second-year guy. But I-, I thought that the skill was there, and he's not really developed the way that we thought. Now, maybe they stunted him a little bit, trying to pigeonhole him into, that, into the center position that they were using him in. And, it seems like he thrives a little bit more on the wing, but he's not really getting it done now. So I, I think that if I was going to look at one of those two players that has a brighter future this season alone, even if it means staying in the lineup, it's probably Connor Sherry because that's what Mike Sullivan's actions have pointed to. And right now, Jake Gensel's sort of relegated to being a fourth-line player. So maybe of the two, Sherry has that brighter future moving forward this season. Matt Murray seems to have regained his cup-caliber form, yes? Boy, he was great yesterday. I he thought. really uh, was. Some of the saves he made on Vlad Tarasenko and Braden Shen had a great look in front. I mean, he the one thing, and I talked about this in the Penguins postgame show the other night, that stood out to me, and, and it's when I saw him let in a couple of those screen goals against the Dallas Stars on Friday night. That was the one part of his game that seemed a little slow to come back after he missed time due to the death of his father, just catch, catching pucks and finding pucks through traffic. Because something that he's always been very good at was identifying a shot through legs, and he could get down squat. For being a big guy, he would get down, he'd crouch, he'd look through traffic, and he'd still be able to make those saves. It seemed like he was having a little bit of trouble tracking those shots. And if you look at the Dan Hamu uh, goal on Friday, it was Sidney Crosby, Carter Rowney, Justin Schultz, and a Stars player all right in front of Matt Murray, and he lost sight of it, and it beat him short side over the blocker. He, he seemed to, to, to lock in and find those shots on Sunday against the Blues. So now if that is back in full, which I think it may have happened that quick just in, in one more game of live action, I think you could say he's back into cup form. He's really played solid over his last you know six starts or so here. So 
that has me believing that Matt Murray could be ready for just, you know, to be the number one guy again. He's shaken off any rust that may have lingered from that time away from the team, and we have no reason to doubt him. I mean, he's a two-time cup winner, essentially still, by all rights, a rookie in the National Hockey League. And at 23 years old, how amazing is that? I'm pretty pretty confident to say he looks like he's he's ready to just help this team go as far as they're you know going to go again this season. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network, joining me here on the Crowley Show. A few more minutes with him. Brian, is Sidney Crosby going to score some goals now? Uh, finally, he scores 400, and it always seems... Like, once you get a couple, once you get one, they start falling. And I would assume that that's going to happen for Crosby. He's had some bad luck with the shooting percentage. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you and I talked about it, you know, in one of uh, the past couple appearances we did together here. I I just felt like once he got 400, the floodgates would open a little bit. By his own admission, he's called himself a a streaky streaky goal scorer. And, And that's been the case. And it's not always streaky in that he goes, you know, 10 games without a goal like he did this time. It's sometimes, in his view, as a guy that's so skilled, maybe three games without a goal and then three games with is streaky. And that's true. He's done that over the course of his career. Now you look at it, he got his just his third two-goal game of the season yesterday, believe it or not. I thought that was a little bit eyebrow-raising. He had one in October. He hadn't had one since November 25th against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now he gets it done in that game against the Blues. I know one was an empty netter, but he threw it into that net with authority. And I think just getting that... 400th out of the way. He's going to feel confident about his game. You're going to see Sid start to shoot again because the one thing that when Sid doesn't score and he goes through those sustained droughts that he he starts to do too much is overpass. And I felt he was starting to do that. He was sort of looking off scoring opportunities. And that's not to say he was not shooting the puck because he had a couple games where he had six shots and four and five shots, but he was passing up on some of those opportunities. I think you'll see him now put pucks back on net from that danger area right in the high slot in and around the goaltenders, right between the face-off dots, and he's going to start scoring a lot of goals again here. And that 400 went a long way into making that a reality, and Sidney Crosby's going to probably jump even further into that scoring race because of it. Brian, the Penguins' defense core coming into the year left a lot to be desired, and there was still, of course, some uncertainty when it comes to Chris Letang. Now, that six that they roll out there, that's their best six, and I have a lot of faith that that could get the job done. They've got a good defense core in my mind now. Yeah, they, they're they're very solid. I think they can be successful with them. I think you just got to get them to just play a simplified game because when they they overthink or they start to do things that are maybe above and beyond their pay grade, that's when they get burned. If you simple, if you dumb it down for Ian Cole, he's awesome. Dumb it down for Chris Letang, he's awesome. That play he made yesterday, I was kind of disappointed. He tried to pinch, got a puck chip past him, and it created the two on one that resulted in the Brodziak goal. If he is maybe even just a little more fleet of foot there, which we know he is. He should have just attacked with authority, and he would have disrupted what the Blues player was doing in that situation when he chipped it by him. But he sort of slowed up and he hesitated, making the decision of what he really wanted to do on that pinch, and that got him beat. And that is something he's done a little too much this season. He's just got to play within himself, dumb it down, play simple hockey. He's going to be fine, and I think that goes for the group of six. The only pair that's been my concern, and I'm curious for your thoughts, the Mata-Schultz pairing looks like it can be beaten if they are put against certain lines that have a lot of skill. And that's no knock on either player individually, but together for some reason, I'm not overly thrilled with that. And at some point, I still think you're going to see Ian Cole go back with Justin Schultz, yep. Dumo with Chris Letang, which would maybe make it a mata Oleksiak pairing. And maybe that might work, and I'd like to see that experiment happen before the playoffs. Couldn't agree more, and I'm guessing we'll get to that at some point because 
that's just the way it goes. Things are still moving here, uh, as there's a lot of time left still, even in the regular season. Uh, Mets, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. No problem. I always enjoy the chats, my friends, and or my friend. And you know what? You, you said you wanted to make it more regular, and we're doing that. So thank you for that. It's great. We are. Checks in the mail, buddy. <laughs> Take care. Later on, Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network. Coming up next, one thing general manager Jim Rutherford doesn't get enough credit for, and pros in the Olympics, I don't need them. I agree with Bettman. How about that? It's a Crowley show. Just an FYI for people who are big fans of the show. So the five of you out there who are big fans of the show. Whatever you hear in other crap generally becomes a large portion of the next day's show. So on Friday last week, or Thursday, whatever day it was last I was sitting in this chair, I brought up Olympic hockey. And how I'm okay with the fact that there ain't pros. We'll get to that coming up. Five or six minutes here on the Crowley Show. 412-922-2874 the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Had Jesse Marshall of The Athletic on my show on Thursday, and he's tremendous. That guy gets it. And by it, I mean sports. Hockey. He said that Alexiak was one of the worst defensemen in the National Hockey League when he played for Dallas. He's been great for the Penguins. How many times have we seen that dude lead in the rush? He can skate. He's got great reach. He's been superb. Alexiak's now playing career high over 17 minutes in ice time every single game for Pittsburgh. He's got a plus six rating. He'd never been better than an even player in Dallas. He was a minus 23 in his six year career there. The Penguins have a knack for finding disasters on the back end and turning them into success stories here in Pittsburgh. Justin Schultz really was the worst defenseman in the National Hockey League when he played for Edmonton. He finished 10th in the Norris Trophy voting last year. So from the worst in the league to one of the top 10 defensemen all in one year. Trevor Daly, awful in Chicago. Awful. Did not know what he was doing out there. It wasn't a system fit. It was just a disaster. He was the guy. It was awful. He played out of his mind. In 2016, against the Washington Capitals when Chris Letang had been suspended, and he was the first guy that Crosby handed the Stanley Cup to. So general manager Jim Rutherford gets a lot of credit. As he should. He just won the last two Stanley Cups. Why wouldn't he? But he should get more credit for finding these diamond-in-the-rough defensemen. Hell, think about Ben Lovejoy. When he traded to pray for Lovejoy, fans and media were just crushing Rutherford. They were saying he was senile. Lovejoy was a big piece of that 2016 Cup championship team. Heck, the list goes on and on. Penguins just got back from St. Louis. Ian Cole was a first-round pick who didn't really work out there. He was being sat down, healthy scratched a bunch. He's been excellent here. He needs to remain in the lineup. I think Jim Rutherford's the defenseman whisperer. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Jim Rutherford finds bad defensemen, and the Penguins turn them into great defensemen. 
Now, Mike Sullivan deserves a lot of credit for that. Jacques Martin deserves a lot of credit for that. And, of course, Sergey Gonchar deserves credit for it as well. But the Penguins take bad defensemen, and they make them great players. Ian Cole is a great player. Now, there's a scale there. It's the Ian Cole curve. The guy's not as good as Chris Letang. But he does different things for the Penguins that Chris Letang doesn't do. Alexiak can do things that Chris Letang can't do. Ben Lovejoy came in. He wasn't afraid to go into the corners and get smashed. Remember Mike Sullivan a couple of years ago in the playoffs saying that his defenseman had a lot of courage? Well, Ben Lovejoy was leading that charge. I remember back to the finals against the Sharks, and they were big. Hell, the Capitals were big. And he'd retrieve pucks and take a beating. And he played well. Jim Rutherford gets a lot of credit for finding the Phil Kessels of the world and bringing in Carl Hagelin in what was a heist. He gets a lot of credit for a number of different moves he's made. But I think he needs to get more credit for all of these defensemen that he's turned into pretty darn good players. Matt Hunwick, he's a good seventh defenseman. Jamie Alexiak, he should be in the rotation. And he's been good. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowd. Hockey fans love watching pros in the Winter Olympics. They do. Casual sports fans love watching NHL players in the Winter Olympics. But Gary Bettman's doing the right thing by not allowing players to participate. I believe the first game is Wednesday for the United States. Some real old-timey players on that team. Brian Giotta on that squad. A couple of others as well. We might get into that coming up in a little bit. But Gary Bettman's doing the right thing by the league, not allowing players to participate. The Rangers, the Flyers, Edmonton fans, they would love to see pros in the Olympics because that would be the only chance they have to watch their team win something this year. But that's not a concern for Gary Bettman. And it's not the concern of the National Hockey League. For the owners and the league, there's zero tangible benefit for sending the players overseas. None. Zip. Not a one. Players can get hurt, and they'd be getting hurt doing something that they're not paid to do. The season would have to be interrupted for almost a damn month, which means that the rest of the season would be condensed and brutal on the players who are and aren't participating. Oh, yeah, and I think it diminishes the Stanley Cup. Players would instead be aiming to win the gold medal, and they would not expend as much energy going for the Cup. They'd expend more of their energy on that gold medal, and that's not what they're paid to care about. Now, the argument you always hear is that the league would benefit because of exposure. People who like the Olympic brand of hockey would be more inclined to watch the NHL product, but there's zero tangible evidence of that being the case. It's a good theory, but that's all it is, a theory. NHL players going to the Olympics is good for the Olympics. It's good for NBC. And it's good for the players who want to go. But NHL players going to the Olympics is not good for... Wait for it. That's terrible, Drummond. The NHL. Which is why the NHL set up the World Cup of Hockey in the first place. It's controlled by the NHL. It helps the league get talked about for once on ESPN. Plus, the Olympics don't even allow the NHL to use the highlights. The World Cup of Hockey obviously would. 
The league should make that the big deal every four years. And be done with the Olympics. Because the World Cup of Hockey doesn't interfere with the season at all. Gary Bettman's right here. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. That's 412-922-2874. At underscore Adam Crowley on Twitter. Do you see what happened with Esteban Loiza? Former Pirates pitcher. Came in second in the Cy Young voting back in the early 2000s for the Chicago White Sox. The Cy Young winner that year, Roy Halladay, who's now deceased. Esteban Loiza was arrested with more than 44 pounds of cocaine and heroin. We're talking about a drug kingpin. 44 pounds? Cocaine is a hell of a drug. That's a bleep ton of money right there. Cocaine's expensive. I know this from walking the streets of Morgantown late at night. Not that I ever tried to stuff. Huh. A cup of coffee makes me feel like my heart's going to explode. That's what I need. Cocaine. Yeah, no, not at all. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. I did one time take Adderall that was not my prescription. And I stayed up all night long, cleaned my entire room, played video games, studied... And then slept in so much because I stayed up so late that I missed the test. But I would not do cocaine. And heroin. Forget about it. But 44 pounds of cocaine and heroin. I got to put this in perspective for you. For heroin. To get you high. This is what Google tells me. It takes .1 grams. So if there's .1 grams that gets you high... And this some bitch had 44 pounds of cocaine and heroin. That's a hell of a lot of money he's got around. Because according to the Google.com machine, that hit of heroin, is that what they call it, a hit? I don't know. I'm looking at Tom like he knows. Huh. It's like 20 bucks. And there are a number of grams in a pound. How many? I cannot be sure. Because I did not Google that. Is that how little Esteban Luiza made in Major League Baseball that he needed to sell heroin? I guess his wife died in 2012 and maybe it's all been a downhill spiral from there. Tom says, come on. The guy's Heisenberg. Were the Pirates... Los Pollos Hermanos? I wonder if he was trafficking drugs through the Pirates locker room. Should I put up a poll, Tom? Was Esteban Loiza trafficking drugs through the Pirates locker room? Is that why they were so bad? That White Sox team was really good. That's the one that went to the World Series and lost, right? No, they won. They won. Did he win? I don't know. I haven't done enough research on Esteban Loiza. I spent all my time Googling cocaine and heroin. When my wife gets home and finds my laptop sitting open, she's going to think that I'm spending all my money in the wrong places. Coming up next, a coaching move for the Steelers and what that means for Mike Tomlin. Because I think it's a big deal and a bigger deal than people have been making it out to be. It's the Crowley Show.